This is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. We have a fantastic guest, Fred Pitts. Yes, we do. A veteran actor. You have been all over the stage. You have been at the African American Shakespeare Company, Palo Alto Theater, the Pear Theater, Custom Made, and I'm sure many, San Jose many others. Stage. San Jose Stage. Were you at the rep before they disappeared? This is right. I'll say it again. Uh, were you at the rep before they disappeared? San I was Jose not. Uh, I've seen shows there, but never performed there. Yeah. 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 Well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they disappeared. Yeah. yeah, they disappeared. And always a wonderful smile. How are you doing, Fred? I am hanging in. How are you, gentlemen? Doing good. It's a little chilly, but you know, that's, that's cool. Listen, I'm from the Midwest. This is not chilly. <laughs> I read you're from <laughs> Midwest where? Uh, Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Ah, yeah. Hoosier. <laughs> Five years in Chicago. So, yeah. Yeah. And we'll learn more about you and, uh, you know, your origin story and how you got here and your one man show. Which is, I'm reading about it, uh, where is it? Aren't you? Dot, dot, dot. Yep, aren't aren't you? Playing at the Marsh. At the Marsh. Directed by Sean J. West. Absolutely. Yay! Yeah, another crazy connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Norman, how are you doing? And once again, uh, condolences to your stepfather, but really, he's more your father then. Very strong father figure, um, Paul, Roger Paul McIntyre, died a week ago Friday. Um, he'd had a condition for years and, you know, it finally caught him. Well, he got to go out on his terms. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Like uh, the call I got was, so Paul's in the hospital and they're about to send him home. He's going into hospice. And, you know, that's the way people tell you, oh, so-and-so's dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's going to the hospice and they're stopping all treatment. Oh, and he hasn't eaten in the last couple of days. Oh, <laughs> mm. And I started trying to make plans. And, you know, I'm going into tech week, so tech weekend. And yeah. so I was like, okay, I'm not going anywhere this weekend, but when can I get there? And um, before I could make any plans, he passed on Friday. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, you know, the way I've been describing it is it's like if you had a, um, it's like you're waiting for the itch on a phantom limb, mm. you know, it's there's nothing different that I can tell right now, but I'm going to see it. Um, I'm going to go down and see my mom tomorrow. I'm going to go down and check in, and I've got family down there. My sister's been there, and so it's been that's been amazing. It's also amazing to me that um, why I say amazing is I have lived my life with theater as my primary focus, and family has been very secondary, would be <coughs> kind. Mm-hmm. Until I got married. Yeah. And then I started, and I'd already been making some connections, but it just sort of solidified that I can have the career that I have and I can have these connections. And that sort of balanced out a little bit. And that's been nice. This has been a wonderful test of it. I felt no pressure. I felt no grief from anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm like, I'm getting ready to do a show. So tell me if you need me. Otherwise... I've got priorities. and Yeah. I, I worry about that. It hasn't happened during a... I mean, I do remember when my mom passed away in 2006. Luckily, I wasn't in a show. Mm-hmm. But that moment where you know you're going to get that phone call that you don't want to get. Um, and what do you tell? Usually, I'll tell a theater company, hey, listen, 
this is what the situation is at mm-hmm. home with either mm-hmm. mom or dad or whoever it is. Right. So mm-hmm. we need to make preparations. You haven't had to go through anything like that, have you? Probably? I have. Oh. I, uh, well, my my parents were in Oakland. Okay. And oh. older and older than ninety. Mm-hmm. And COVID Damn. hit. Yeah, COVID hit. This is in 2020, mm-hmm. and they kind of spiraled because we're living in an apartment by themselves and mm-hmm. refused to move Can because you my right? mom a little closer. Yeah, you're, you're good. Okay, you're good. They live in an apartment in Oakland, and my mom absolutely refused to move into senior care. That's yeah. what happens when you're old because you want you don't want to lose your independence. So, right. Sure. Yep. My brother and I thought, okay, well, the only thing that's going to get them out of there, unfortunately, is if something medical happens, and it did. Yep. To my dad first, <clears throat> and I was actually doing. It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play oh. at Contra Costa Civic. Uh-huh. And I told the director at the time, I said, look, my this thing's going off with my parents. hasn't happened yet, but just be on the lookout. And yeah. she was very understanding. Fortunately, we got through the shoot, and the thing that happened with her parents happened a week later. <laughs> so you had to plan <laughs> for it. Life sure, is sure. that way. Bizarre yes. that way. And yeah. luckily, you have a company that... You know, we'll be flexible enough to to make those just. Sometimes you need you have an understudy come in, and, exactly. or yeah. someone has to come yeah. in. Well, with a, book. a smart company is mm-hmm. going to say, "Oh, we better prepare for this." Right? You know, we're human. Yeah. So if you don't make space for us to be human, mm-hmm. but yeah, that piece. There's um there's a wonderful book. Uh, Joyce Farmer, I believe, is the writer, uh, graphic artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a graphic novel called Special Exits, and that's what she wrote about being middle aged and her parents refusing to leave the apartment, refusing to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, like, I think her mom had a fall and broke her arm and was basically camping out on the couch mm-hmm. and was therefore getting bed sores. And that was when they were able to get them out. With my folks, um, we'd known about my stepfather's condition forever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sort of had it lingering. My mom had a stroke a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And where it felt like he was preparing himself to go, suddenly he's all that disappeared, and he became completely coherent and mm. on top of things mm. and in control and living his life again. Where he was sort of backing away from the world, suddenly he was getting out and taking walks mm-hmm. to keep his health up because he wanted to take care of his wife. And I was like, yeah. "Wow, it's it's amazing how emotion your emotion can power, I guess, your health." Like, you know, some people, if if emotionally they're not healthy or they're going through something, then it takes control of your physical body and the opposite. Uh, so that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to, you know, sure. Home is opening tonight. Right on. <laughs> uh, George Saunders short story, Home, um, about an Iraqi war vet. Yeah. Trying to come home. And that'll be at Zebelo. It's at Z below, yeah, yeah. Same space, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm sure with when Danny. We... Danny is um, is running lights. Danny, oh, oh, Danny, of course, Danny, Danny Boy Hall, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, we moved out. Tasha moved out, and you guys moved in. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's been um, it's been a cool, uh, you know, I'm career. My career has just been bubbling along, mm-hmm. and this was another one where I did the Mime Troop show last summer, and Sheila walks up to me after one of the performances and says. We have to work together next spring. I'm like, okay, spring, word for word. Hmm, France. Yeah, yeah I go. think I'm available <laughs> for that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, the show will run all of April, yeah. and then we, a week later, go to France. Yeah. 
And Mara will join you a little bit later on. And then, yeah, at the end of the tour, um, I got to do it five years ago with them, um, with Word for Word, and we did a Lucia Berlin stories. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Mara came that time at the beginning of the tour, and we, because of some snafus and scheduling, we ended up only performing one performance in Paris, mm-hmm. um, which meant we had a week where we did almost nothing. So me and Mara ran around for the week and just enjoyed the city. This time she's going to come at the end of the tour. Mm -hmm. And then we'll bounce to London, apparently, is our plan right now. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Wonderful. Yeah. No, it's going to be wild. Yeah, it's... um, it is a, if you don't know George Saunders, he is a contemporary uh, short story writer. Um, he's, he is a genius, um, and his use of language is sparse, but um, very mm-hmm. evocative. And uh, yeah, we're trying to bring that to life on stage. That's fantastic. All right. This um, production of The Yay, this, this episode, mm. is our first episode for week, I'm sorry, year seven. Is this year seven? Yeah, 2007. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. 2017 is when we... 17. Fe- yeah. <laughs> and it was actually April the 8th, 2017 when we began. So 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh, six. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And, and it's, you know, once again, thank everybody for supporting the A and the guests that we've had on mm-hmm. and the great conversations that we've had. Um, there have been some current events. Um any thoughts on the Trump indictment? Um, honestly, think that the yeah. the abortion stuff is. Far I'm, I'm more... ready for the, the the next one. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good. Y'all go ahead and get this, but let's get to the big ones. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, yeah, there may be indictments in Georgia as well, um, and who knows, maybe even Arizona. So, it's an interesting time. And uh, you know, Fred, you and I, we were talking off mic about American history, and this is a time. I mean, how import how of an impact there is in American history? I'm not sure. Only the future can tell. But we're talking about an individual who was president who's been uh, impeached twice, now facing an indictment. I mean, this is beyond Nixon. So does any of this shock you at all? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look shock. back at American yeah. history, everything happens. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing to a historian really is surprising. You know, yeah. I call myself a student of history. And the things that happen certainly shock and distress people as they should mm-hmm. and they distress me but I also sit back and think okay well I remember reading about this back in the 40s or the 20s or 18, sure. whatever right so history is sort of cyclical yeah the thing that it, you know Trump himself doesn't surprise me it's the people surrounding him that surprised me and the people who's continue to you know jump in you know to vote for him although Ron DeSanto you know I have it's, I'll still be curious as to if he'll win the Republican nomination. And well, this, that's the big, to me, the big story of the indictment is mm-hmm. it bumped Trump's numbers up and put a big gap between uh, him and DeSantis. Because it made DeSantis. him a martyr. And it was like, <laughs> dude. And DeSantis, the more he tries to get on the national mm-hmm. stage, the more he is showing himself just not really ready to be a national leader. Yeah. Although, I mean, you know, his attacks, I mean, the, the news that came a couple of days ago, I think Disney, they won their judgment so <laughs> yes, they can they control did. their lands. <laughs> so that's a, that's a strike against DeSanto. Um, what's, it's, it's fascinating about Trump, and this is the last time that I'll talk about Trump and then we'll go on to other things. You would think usually politicians in history have tried to put on the best face forward in front of a, uh, an audience in order to get their numbers up. Trump is really the only one the more horrible things he does and the more of a powerful reaction he gets from the Democrats, 
his numbers go up. It's almost the exact opposite right. of what oh. traditionally happens. Yeah. And that's the thing that fascinates me. Um, it, it is. Yeah. No, it's... This, this was an interesting thing. Um, a Tennessee man sues a woman for having an abortion. This is his wife, I believe, uh, who had an abortion because it stole his chance of fatherhood. <laughs> if you could believe that. Yeah, Tennessee, right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, this is what's happening in Tennessee along with there are several judges in the South who are voting, uh, who are ruling against, there's a particular um, pill an abortion pill. Right. And, um, you know, Wisconsin says, yes, it's okay. You know, the CDC says that the pill is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But these southern states, I mean, you know, these social issues, which are actually going into court, it's become a real uh, social battle. That was yeah, that was, wasn't it the, United the te- States. isn't that the Texas case that uh, the judge said? Exactly. That said this isn't officially approved. And like, uh, you mean 20 years of data isn't enough? Yeah. Okay. And the CDC actually said it was, it was okay. So yeah, it's it's uh, fascinating. Um, and the last thing, I tried to throw a fun thing in. Uh, well, the Florida School District says that David, the statue David, is porn. Right. So they wanted to get rid of it. So yes. I found that to be crazy. <laughs> well, the Tennessee Three, though, you jumped over that. Which, oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and what I like about the way the story is developing now is so their districts mm-hmm. have to put somebody in those seats. Yeah. They can put them back right in back seats. in those seats. Yeah. And that's exactly. what's being discussed. And for those who don't know, so in Tennessee, there were three... Um, um, local elect- congr- elected uh, congressmen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two black, one white. Yep. And uh, they protested against um, gun. Um, yeah, they wanted gun reform. Yeah, yeah, they want gun reform because of the tragic shooting that happened. I think about a month or so ago, where children were killed, like three, yeah. two or three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so two of them were voted off of the board. The only one who made it was a white woman who spoke. Who came with the lawyer, see. Mm-hmm. And she survived by one vote. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that guy spoke and he was like, well, mm-hmm. she came with a lawyer. The lawyer pointed to some things which basically said, this is not, you don't have a legal foundation to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, they threw it into committee. Oh, we should discuss that. So I voted no on that one. But these other guys was like, okay, black men, show up with a lawyer. Yeah, but I appreciate the solidarity that she had mm-hmm. for Still. the other black man, and yeah. actually pointed out to the racism, the blatant racism mm-hmm. that's happening there. Well, you know, there's also, um, and I'm not a basketball fan. I'm not a sports fan mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, but the the women's basketball. Um, oh yes, yeah, the LSU thing. There's the NCAA tournament, and uh, I forget Ms. the women's. Yeah, last name is Miss Reese. Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, Caitlin you know, Clark, the other basketball player from Iowa. She. Oh, because they just tried to use her. White woman, could yep. you be our latest pity party? She and was she having was like, none of that. She said, no. Yeah, <laughs> Jill Biden. Trash talk is what we do. Yeah, exactly. I admire my, you mm-hmm. know, my colleague, and, you know, she's a worthy opponent, and yeah. mm-hmm. I can't wait to get back on the boards with her. Yep. Right. And Jill Biden's credit, you know, Jill Biden tried to say, well, maybe we can have both of them at the White House, and it was like, wait a minute, you know, why are you supporting? No <laughs> right. <laughs> But but she backed off of that. She had to. Right. Because even Caitlin Clark was like, I don't need yeah. an apology. And no, we don't need to go to the White House. We, yeah. Yeah, let us That's their it. glory. Yeah. Let them have that. They and, earned it. And here's the thing. Steph Curry did that. You know, the whole pointing to the ring and, you know, the ring finger and, and <laughs> You that. can't see me. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this is just, hey, let women, you know, trash talk as much as the men do. Yeah. It's no big whoop. 
Right. If you're going to make a rule about it, make a rule about it and stop all of it. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and then the game will be less entertaining. But, yep. oh well. I wanted to point out that Eli Sonny Orquiza has been named one of Yerba Buena Centers of the Arts 100 honorees. Yes. <laughs> I don't know anything about the award, but you know Eli Sonny Okiza, he's been working. You know, he's this a Philippine. young man yes. is just kicking ass. Yeah. He was at, I think, uh, the Kennedy Senator for That's something right. I that last out. month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he's doing fantastic stuff, and he's continuing to produce. I believe he's a member of the Chickahan Company. He we've, is. We've talked about that, even so. though he's way busy. <laughs> so way busier than that. But yeah. he's a rising star. It's it's cool to see these Bay Area folks rise up. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the meatball made out of a woolly mammoth. <laughs> I heard that on the news on the way over here, and I'm like, okay. And they said the only reason they're doing it is just to bring attention to the idea that we could make meat. And I'm like, but, you know, because that's better than using all the land that yeah. you use. But I'm like, well, if it's food, just make food. Why do you have to make meat? Yeah. Well, Lab right. meat. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand the whole, uh, there's the environmental thing of, I guess there's, uh, what is it, the uh, methane that I think cows, you know, that comes from cow dung mm-hmm. yeah. and stuff. So there's the thing of keeping the methane down. And also, you know, do we want to kill animals, all that sort of stuff? I, I don't know. I mean, I've tried the Impossible Burger. I've, you know, ate it for a while and then I was like, okay, I, I think I'm done. I'm and done. now right. there's reports that it's not as healthy as they say. So What a surprise. I've never tried it. I'm not going to. <laughs> Right. Have a burger. Don't have a burger. My point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you keep in very good shape, Fred. I mean, is there a health regimen that you do? (laughs) (laughs) Truth be told, I dropped 37 pounds. Wow. Starting in 2020. How? Good for you. I had made a decision. I mean, I'm close to 60 now, and I thought, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get anything that right. I don't want to deal with. You right. Know, years of working in medicine, I've seen people who are younger than me look 30 years older than me. Yep. Yeah. And I said, I, I want to be around. Yeah. So I just decided to, I actually started following Noom. Not that oh, I'm trying to plug okay. Noom, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it worked for but me. But it worked. Yeah. It worked for me. And OOM. It's a It's an app that's out that, the basis of it is psychology okay. with food. Mm-hmm. It doesn't limit what you're eating, but it gets you to start thinking about what you're eating, why you're eating it, and the circumstances mm. you're in. For someone like me, it worked out well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to put myself on a calorie restriction. And right. also, I'm terrible at keeping track of what I'm eating. Yeah. Right. You know? Yes. That's the problem. We, we can eat healthy, but we get in these situations where we're at a party and there's food around and we just start grazing. Right, or yeah. if we're watching television, we'll open up a bag of chips and have yep. two that turns into an empty bag. Right. Sure. Yeah. So we all overeat <clears> and <throat> underestimate what we consume. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we do. That's my health plug for the day. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think about my mom who, you know, we talked about, you know, our relatives passing away. Mm-hmm. She was 55 when she died and she, you know, she looked 75. Um, and there was a lot of food, you know, the psychology of food. She mm-hmm. was one where when she got upset, she would just stuff her face. Mm-hmm. And there's a psychology that we don't think about. Yeah, we don't. My dad died in 2021, January. He was 92. Mm-hmm. My mom is still alive. In San Leandro, she's 95. That's incredible. Ooh. So for me, it's like, I'm going to see if I can hit those years. Right, but I right, want to yeah. be functional in those years. Yes. Yeah. Functional till yeah, about yeah, yeah. plus 90. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah, that would be and nice. I always think that uh, theater has a way of just making us young. I agree. Um, we just every- have to be cast. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Anytime you're in a production, I'm thinking about, okay, I've got to stay healthy. I've got to exactly. eat a particular way. Well, there and, is that. Yeah. yeah. 
And of course, there's also, well, you know, you got to eat wherever you're at and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do think that, I don't know, there's just something about theater, even, you know, the th- not talking about just myself, but the people that I see on stage. It's like, wow, she or he's that old. And it's mm-hmm. like, they're still doing it. Let's get into an origin story. Fred Pence, <laughs> um, where were you born and raised? So Dayton, Ohio. So yeah. uh, what was what was life growing up in Dayton? I... I loved it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a clue because it was, mm-hmm. you know, Southwest Ohio. <laughs> you know, I grew up with a great set of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one brother who's two years younger than me. It was a very typical, I won't say typical, but it was a middle class, upper middle class black family mm-hmm. in an upper middle class black neighborhood mm-hmm. in Ohio. So, you know, my parents loved to read, read to us, mm. you know, play music. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a lot of classical music. Because ah, my uh-huh. parents would play it, and believe it or not, Tom Jones, because my mom loved Tom yeah. Jones. So. <laughs> Tom Jones was the not man. Unusual. Tom Jones Still was the man. man. Not unusual. Still the man. Still the man. Yeah. man at 80, what, 85, 86 years old? He's up there. Something like it's that. Amazing. He's, He's still collapsing playing. in concerts. Oh, yeah. And, and then getting off and getting Abs- them back together and coming back out in them tight pants. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Which you will never see me in. Yeah. That's <laughs> a roll. That's a roll. I had a quick question for the both of you because both of you grew up in sort of the Midwest. Like yeah. you were in Indiana, yeah. right? That's and the Midwest. It's not yeah. sort of. It's the Midwest. But it yeah. sounds yeah. like, because I always felt that I was privileged because I grew up in Washington, D.C., which made a place for African Americans to have a middle class family. Like I had, I grew up in a six, you know, five bedroom house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that my, uh, courtesy of my grandfather, who right, owned right. property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it the same for the both of you? No, my. We moved around a lot until we left Indianapolis, and my grandmother's house was the primary house. Mm-hmm. It was a two-bedroom, and I think about that now because, I mean, two-bedroom, like if you added another bedroom onto your apartment, yeah. it's about that big. Mm-hmm. That It was, you know, I'm like, and there were, my mom has, there's six siblings, yeah. um, so they were all adults and in and out of the house with their kids. I'm like, how did we fit all those people into... Mm-hmm. Into that, mm-hmm. and there would be bunk beds and all kind, rollout beds, and who gets the couch, and mm. you know, it was just different world. And what I realize now is how much raising in the sun just really put its finger on the pulse yeah, of where America piece, was, yeah. mm-hmm. and how that is right, like that's literally the year I'm born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents grew up in segregation, right? And went to school in segregation mm-hmm. and lived in communities where it was officially segregated. Mm-hmm. We're walking through the world where they're trying to put everything together and integration is the word of the day. And I just accept that as that's my reality. Mm-hmm. Then we get to California and it's like, oh, it's completely, California has gone all the way there and different world. Yeah. yeah. See, when I was growing up, it was Ohio mm-hmm. and my parents, see, both my parents are from families of nine kids yeah wow. yeah nine so yeah. my mom's house i guess they grew up in they had nine kids in the house but they were about a 20-year span and my right. dad's from georgia and they were dirt poor mm-hmm. so the house they lived in was what a two or three room yeah. building you know on a clay patch if you want to call it that yeah the house i grew up in was a it was a nice probably like 2800 square foot house mm-hmm. you know because my parent my mom was a teacher and my dad worked for the government yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like your parents, they both grew up in segregated high schools, segregated colleges. Right, my, yeah. my dad went to Morehouse. My mom went to Central State. You know, and then mm-hmm. my dad went to work for the government. Mm. So that was the big change of working in a pretty much white environment in the fifties and early sixties. Right. Yeah. And so when they got married, you know, Dayton was 
still segregated. You know, the white yeah. section of town, the black section of town. Yeah. But, you know, the black folks who had money because of engineering or government jobs. Yes. They were able to build in the, mm-hmm. the black sections of town. That's where we live. Yeah. 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 That's what I was saying. There was an opportunity for Absolutely. a family to live in comfort. Absolutely. And it sounds like you had It was that. neat. And it was, I remember that as a kid too. You knew who, like, that one's got the good job. That one's got this. Mm-hmm. And then there's that other family on the corner where they can't always pay the electric bill. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people give them money to pay their bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was all one community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I grew up, I mean, my parents, you talk about your uh, grandparents or your dad had like, you know, other siblings. Like my dad was the youngest of eight kids mm-hmm. and one, it would have been nine, but one had passed away. And my grandfather, you know, they had a house, you know, they grew, they migrated from the South mm-hmm. and they talked about, I think they had to build their house like in the South and in, yeah. in either Maryland or Virginia. And you hear these stories and I say to myself, wow, you know, thank goodness I, you know, we had an environment like, you know, when Washington, D.C., you know, was coming about when I was growing up, we had a black mayor. We mm-hmm. had Marion Barry. Prior to that was Walter Washington. Right. And so D.C. had an opportunity to provide for the black community. Hey, you want a job? You get a job. Mm-hmm. The cops were black. Yeah. Teachers were black. You, you had that space. Yeah, that was my daddy. Grew up in central Georgia mm-hmm. and moved north, mm-hmm. you know, after fighting in Korea. Wow. I found the job. That's mm-hmm. a different story. Yeah. Finding a job uh, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So that's how that worked out. Yeah. So, yeah. When, yeah, when yep. industry was when happening. industry was happening. Yep. Now, were you involved in theater when you were young? Since the age of five. Hey! hey. My mother stuck me on stage when I was five years old. I sang a song called Happy Go Lucky Little Sled. Okay. Still remember it, it every what? word and still sing it. I'm not going to do it right now. Okay. <laughs> what, what show? Uh, well, yeah, what it show? Was a, it was like the kindergarten pageant. Nice. And I was standing on stage with this knit cap that my mom made me and these knit gloves and uh-huh. there were these hot lights and I was sweating to death trying to sing. <laughs> so. Well, your profile photo on your Facebook has you when I think you were like seven or ten. That picture was 1976. That was Ooh. sixth grade. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, I was wearing red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yay! Red, white, and blue leisure suit. You and I were talking about Bicentennial 1976. Years. Bicentennial. That was a bicentennial year. Yep. Yeah. Because yep. we were talking about American history. You know, your yep. play yep. Uh, is deals with American history. It does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. And I was saying that in 1976, that's how I got involved in learning about American history. I was like, hey, what is the thing about the Bicentennial and Jimmy Carter's giving all these speeches? Well, Carter would be a president, president in Later 1977. Yeah. But, and there's an election going on, and who are these guys called the presidents? And that's how I sort of got into it. Um, but it's but also just like you, my parents were like, "Hey, do this thing, do that thing," and of course, the church was very big, so I was doing all sorts of presentations and things. Oh, little Reggie can speak or whatever. So it sounds like the same thing. Hmm, same thing, you know, doing it in church and then a, pretty much a school play every year of my life. All right, from five years old on through high school. Yeah, hmm. even beyond that. But I'm sure there was a point where you were like, "This is my thing." There was. That was probably high school. Okay. I would think. I did. I forgot. What I, did. I did nothing freshman year. Sophomore year, I did a little small play. Junior year, I did a play called The Apple Tree. It was terrible. It was a musical. It was terrible, but I was in it. And then we did Godspell as a senior. Right wow. on. And nice. I, I, was, I was actually Jesus Christ, which was a unique thing mm-hmm. right. in an all-white Catholic school right, right. in wow. the early 80s. Mm-hmm. The context, man. Yeah. And yeah. The, the director, who is our music director, is a black gentleman named Douglas Benbo. He cast me as Jesus Christ, and he cast Judas as a black kid in class, uh, Jay, Jay Pierce. Mm. Uh-huh. So that was a yeah. fun, unique experience. <laughs> 
Wow. Um, I just mentioned to somebody recently, I was like, you know, when I was a kid, I got to be in Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But there was, but there was a theater program uh, at your high, high school? We had, yeah, it was called the Castle Players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Castle Players. It's still around. Yeah, that's still awesome. Because yeah. it's rare. Because I, I know I went to a school of the arts, but mm-hmm. a lot of the guests that we've had on have said, hey, you know, we didn't even have a theater program in our right. high school. Yeah. Um, and then you went off to college. Went off to college, went to Michigan for undergrad. Right on. Uh, You're a Wolverine. I'm a Wolverine. Go blue. Right on. <laughs> Which was somewhat sacrilege being someone who was from Ohio. Right. <laughs> That's right. Not Ohio State, huh? <laughs> Serious sacrilege. <laughs> like a lot of my friends went to Ohio State and I went the dark side. Mm. Which was fine with me. Yeah. Now, what was your major? My undergraduate major was history. Okay. American hmm. history. Okay. With a With a theater minor mm-hmm. and somewhere in there, pre-med. But I, was, I refused to get a science degree because I just thought if... I'm going to do medicine. I want to do something fun in ah, college. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because if medicine didn't work out, I want to be able to at least enjoy uh-huh. something else in life. Right. So it was either going to be history or teaching or theater. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. So I did both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know when, when I went to college, my parents, there wasn't a lot of conversation like, hey, you know, you need to do this or this is what your, you know, degree, what you need to study and all that sort of stuff. They were just very happy that I got in. Yeah. Was it the same with you? There was a lot of conversation in my house. Because <laughs> you would think his, a degree in history, where does that take you? Well, for my, I, my gut really told me I wanted to do theater. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because all my, in college, my, my best friends were theater people and they were all, at the time, applying for ERTIS, which were the right. auditions for, you know, graduate Regional, theater programs. Yeah. 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 And I was, wanted to do it and my dad who really was about making yourself successful and being able to provide for yourself financially right. based on of his course. background. He was like, look, go to medical school, get your degree, become a doctor. Because when you do that, you can do any of these other things you want to afterwards. Right. And I didn't like it when he said it, but I said, you know what? It makes some sense. I have never regretted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was the best thing he ever told me. Mm-hmm. So that that worked out well. My mom was like, oh, honey, just go be an actor. That'd be wonderful to have an actor in the family. You know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yay. Right on. God bless her. Now, it sounds like both of, you, both of them supported you in, in yeah, what you were going to do. Yeah, they did. Absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, were you involved did, in college? Did, were you involved in productions, that sort of stuff? I was. I did a lot of theater in college. Um, I did one or two musicals, and then I really fell in love with just straight plays. Sure. You know, that's where I found my calling. So I yeah. did a lot of straight plays my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to medical school, I ended up doing theatrical work in medical school because at, wow. I went to Case Western in Cleveland. Okay. And they had this thing every year called the Doc Opera, huh. which was basically a musical review mm-hmm. with the medical students. And the idea was you take pop music or whatever song and rewrite it to a medical theme. Oh, right, it's right. almost like the Capital Steps, but on a medical thing. Yeah, a medical thing. Yeah. yeah. So I fell into that my second year of medical school. And we did it once every year. And mm-hmm. then I became direct. Actually, I became director my second year of medical school. So I was director of the second, third, and fourth year. Nice. So I did that. Damn. Yeah. Yep. I'm always interested in technique. Did you learn any technique? I'm sure you learned Stanislavski, but any other, like I, Meisner? So we or? did Stanislavski. We did Meisner, mm-hmm. um, at least in college. Uh, pretty much anything you can think of, we, we touched on. Okay. Um, and then some professional theater work once I got out of medical school and got out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Are there any um, techniques that you lean on right now or not really? <laughs> no. My... my my favorite acting teacher was one of my, actually one of my best friends. The guy, his name was Cliff Osmond. He used mm-hmm. to teach in the Bay Area. He's uh-huh. a 
old Hollywood actor came out of the Billy Wilder crew, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and he would teach in San Francisco. And his thing was, my teaching acting method is good acting. So he would take all of them and meld them together. And his uh-huh. idea was just, you know, get out, be true, be honest, fight, win, mm-hmm. go for that. Hmm. There so, you go. I hear you. Yeah. Now, what brought you here to the Bay? A job. Okay. No. <laughs> so, when I got done with um, residency, because I, I trained in emergency medicine in Chicago, mm-hmm. and at the time, there were about 50 people who were leaving the residencies looking for emergency medicine work. Mm-hmm. And there weren't as many jobs available in the Chicago area. Right. Because at the time, this is like the mid-90s, emergency medicine was hot. Because mm-hmm. ER had come out the show. Right. So it put oh, it on the map. Right. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. So at the, and at the time, I was married to someone else. And my brother-in-law had passed away. And my wife at the time, we were thinking, do we want to stay here? Do we want to go out west? My brother was already out here mm-hmm. working for a law firm. Yeah. And I thought, you mm-hmm. know, San Francisco could be kind of cool. So I interviewed for an ER job in Oakland. They wanted me. I took the job. We moved out here. Yeah, right so on. That's how I came Where? Out to Which hospital? Like, Summit. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Summit for 20 years. <laughs> Damn. And that was the late 90s, right? I moved out here in 97. Yeah, same year that I did. August of 97. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was uh, here in February of 97. Yeah, so. Very, I always, we, because you did the show, I, I got to know who you were when you did a show with Elizabeth Carter down in San Jose. So Colored I always Museum, assumed you were working down there, but you were working up here. I was working up here. Damn, and there were commute. And there were days where we'd have the Sunday matinee yeah. at 2 o'clock, and Elizabeth was living in Oakland at the time. Yep, so yep. we'd do the show. We'd get done with the show. I had a shift at 5. Yeah. So we'd leave the theater. I'd drive back to Oakland. I'd drop her off. I'd go to the hospital to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, my that goodness. Was, that, was my, that was my life for years. You know, either do a shift and do a show or do a show and do a shift. Well, mm-hmm. so many actors do that, but not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that's if you were what I kept surgeon, thinking, that would be difficult, that's, you know, impossible. How many times have you done a show with somebody who's like, oh, I'm supposed to go to work. I'm not going to work. That's not going to happen. Oh, I never <laughs> had that like, option. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, you're a doctor. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 you're a doctor. You, you, you have I to, had to go. go to work. I had to go. But I tell you, the, my field of emergency medicine and theater were a perfect marriage okay. because I got to decompress doing the theater. Of course. That's yeah. my outlet. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Know? And it was also... Um, a challenge in the beginning because, and this is what Cliff used to tell me as an actor, when you work in the emergency department or when you're working in medicine, you have to be able to control your emotions, especially in the emergency oh, department yes. because you yeah, see yeah. so much tragedy. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. see so much loss. Yeah. yeah, So you have to be able to maintain a stable level across your job. Yeah. Right. And so I would come out of that and go into acting classes and I had the same kind of mindset of controlling everything. Well, right. you know, Cliff was always saying, well, I don't want to see that. That's great, but that's kind of boring. <laughs> you know, you want to watch a play. You want to watch somebody, you know, show their emotions. Yeah. And so right, that was the one thing I had to work on my first few years. And then once I started doing that, I thought, okay, I can do this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it allowed me that release. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember the story, Norman, that you told me about the act, the the student who was on stage and I think it was an acting assignment and we were talking about over-emoting, you know, over-emoting. Uh-huh. So there's a, there's a fine line between over-emoting, where it's all about you and not about the, the piece, right. and under-emoting, where you're not giving anything at all because mm-hmm. you're controlling yourself. So you have to find that medium yeah. where you show just enough to, for your for your part and for that beat. Mm-hmm. And then you can move on to the next thing. Yeah, Cliff always just used to tell me, just listen, number one. Right. And then number two, you're reacting. 
Yeah. That's it. You know. Yeah, that's there it. you go. No, that's, you that know. is so much of it. Yes. It really is. So it, it's work to get to the point where you're comfortable enough to just let go. Mm-hmm. Because so many of us have all had that experience where we're on stage as actors and we may or may not be comfortable with the script and we're kind of thinking about the next line we're supposed to say right. while yeah. we're listening to the other person and we're kind of watching what they're saying but not really listening to them and then we're yeah. giving the reaction because they're Right. Is. We've right. got that big speech coming up <laughs> yeah. and that's all yeah, we're thinking. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah, and I think about the rehearsal process about, you know, like that's the job of the rehearsal process where I can get the script or thinking about the script out of my hand and mm-hmm. have it just happen so naturally yes. yeah. that that's my, my words just flow as if it were as natural as absolutely possible. That's the, that's the goal. You always want to have your audience feel like they're voyeurs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, looking at something they shouldn't be seeing. I'm spraying right. out their house. <laughs> nice. That's not, oh, I shouldn't be here. But, ooh, wow. Ooh, right, yeah. can't can't stop themselves. Yeah, right, exactly. right, exactly. Yeah. Now, I'm sitting in a room full of teaching artists in our cast. Mm-hmm. And somebody said the other day, they said, you don't, you don't memorize your lines. You learn your lines. Right. And, and everybody in the room was like, yes, because I, I have come to embrace that feeling of, don't ask me what my next line is. I have to stop and think about it. I have no idea. Yes. Right. But let me get up and cross the stage to pick up that vase of flowers mm-hmm. and the words come out of my Boom. mouth. Exactly. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One exercise we used to do is someone will tell me, let's say I have a scene partner. And I'll say, give me any random line that you have. Mm-hmm. And let me just see if I respond with, you know, whatever, right. if, it, if it comes out naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and I'm a big proponent of moving and doing other things while you're acting because you know, mm-hmm. that's what normal people do. It's true. Right. The scarier part is when you're on a, in a show and you have that action you're supposed to do and then something happens on stage yeah. that doesn't allow you to do that physicality and all of a sudden you're like, what? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But right. sometimes those are good things because it's like, okay, yeah, well, hey, this is what happens in life. <laughs> oh, my God. Our first preview audience, first scene, Yeah. suddenly an actress on stage just goes up. And most of us, like almost the whole cast is on stage. I think we are all on stage at this moment, but we are all on stage word for word mm-hmm. animates the story. So yeah. sometimes like I first thing I say is... Um, Inside were piles of newspapers on the stove. I am piles of newspapers. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. So all most of us on stage are inanimate objects interacting with the main character. Mm-hmm. When she goes up on her line, there's no pile of newspapers can't suddenly yeah. say something, can't do shit. We're all yeah, just sort of... Yeah, you really can't do any spontaneity with word for word. Yeah, there's no improvising. You, right. you know, so you really can't. It, yeah. was, it was a funny moment. They found their way out of it. Mm-hmm. She came off going, and like, no, we loved it. And then one of the funniest things with her character is she's playing the mom who um, isn't cursing because she just got a church job. Mm. So she's trying oh. to stop from cursing. So she's using beep and beeping oh. throughout. <laughs> okay. And in rehearsal, you know, because you have to know what each of those it's beeps sound like is. Code for a while. So... Um, She's done that really well, and there were lots of times in rehearsal where she would end up cussing because mm-hmm. that was the that was the underlying thing. Mm-hmm. That first performance in front of the audience, she also said "damn" at one point after it had just been established that she was trying not to cuss, and she said "damn" and caught herself. Went, mm. And the audience, it was one of the biggest laughs we got in the night. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it was good. like okay, so if that happens, 
that's not going to be a bad thing. But no. the fact that you are trying to keep it from happening mm-hmm. is what they're t- they're clocking that. It's kind of fun. One of the challenges I've always found is when the audience members like to talk loudly during the show. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. doing a show with Kelly years ago. We were doing Dial M for Murder. And this mm-hmm. is one of my uh-huh. favorite stories. And I don't know if you know the story of Dial M for Murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, the blind woman. She's in a no. No, Dylan no, no, for murder. Um... Dylan for murder is. I know it's an Agatha Christie. Dylan for murder is not. It no. is. Um, I forgot who the playwright is. Um, but it's a play about. It's a murder mystery. Okay, right. Um, with an. That's uh, what a, I know about. Yeah, with a couple, and there's an affair the wife's having, and the husband pays somebody to murder the wife, and mm-hmm. it doesn't go out. Bottom line. I played the actor who the wife was having the affair with. And there's a scene in the beginning where we're just on the couch talking. <coughs> you know, this wonderful scene. and Was it I, a Hitchcock movie? It was. I, d- I do know this. Go ahead. Grace Kelly's in it. Yeah. And uh, there's a moment where we're on the couch talking in the beginning. And it was at Hillbarn. I don't know if you know Hillbarn. It's a yeah. great space. But the audience is kind of like on the floor. And I'm doing the lines. And all of a sudden they hear from this lady in the front row, he wasn't black in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so we keep going over the dialogue and then a second later she said it's okay he's good looking <laughs> so Kelly and I look at each other and I'm like we gotta keep going <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's no a, reacting to that yeah there's, that's the kind of stuff that happens hey sometimes it's fun it's fun to get all that as long as you I can keep it. going yeah. if it keeps going it just attracts to play then exactly. you gotta do something yeah yeah, you have those shows but yeah, no you, you're there to have a live audience you're right you exactly want. and that's the love of it that's why I love it <laughs> so let's talk about this piece Aren't You mm-hmm. so tell me what it's about it's a one man show you wrote it yes is this your first time writing it is okay it is i am not a solo performer i mean i'm an actor you are now i am now that's what what brian copeland told me i am now name drop um Mm -hmm. but i love being on stage i love acting i mean i've done a couple of shows where you had like a half hour monologue yeah which is challenging Mm -hmm. and i've loved watching solo performance but i i was always scared to do it because I, i mean i have such admiration for solo performers because you're writing your own story. Right. You're telling your own story. It's just you. Yeah. You know, it's really exposure. Yeah. And I wasn't really comfortable with the idea. But, you know, we've talked about me being a history geek. Mm-hmm. So this is like maybe eight, nine years ago. I decided, you know, I want to go check out some missions. Oh. And I went to see California missions. And mm-hmm. every place I went, somebody was saying I look like somebody famous in black. Sure. Which was weird in the beginning. And I started posting it on Facebook. And this is, you know, like 2013, I think. So mm-hmm. this is early-ish Facebook. Right, right. But it, it kept happening, and I kept posting it. Mm-hmm. And friends kept saying, what happened today? And I was like, nothing. And then something happened. And then people just kept piling on and reading mm-hmm. this thing. And it just kind of snowballed yeah. to the point where Kelly, who's now my, ne- my, now my wife, mm-hmm. she was my girlfriend at the time. She was at camp with some students. And they all would gather around every day to find out, so what happened today with Fred? Did somebody mm-hmm. think it was somebody else? <laughs> And so, two friends of mine, Elizabeth Creeley, local actress, and um, Monica Dietrio, a friend of mine from high school, both mm. on social media, said, you have to make this into a solo show. Mm. And I'd never thought about it, but I said, maybe. So, I pulled all the posts down from Facebook, right. sat on it for three or four or five years. Mm-hmm. And then after I got married, I decided this might be the good time to do it. So, I took a class with a man named David Ford yep. at the Marsh, at who, the is, Marsh, who yep. is the guru of solo performance, solo development, movement. writing. He's brilliant. Love him. And I started working on this piece, and all of a sudden, I had this solo show. Yay! It just kind of came out of nowhere. And so the piece is about your your interactions going to it these is, places? It is, it is about my trip to see all these missions and what happened 
while I was on the, the journey. Okay. Uh-huh. The interactions I had with people. So mm-hmm. I, there's a, if you go to the website, there's a great description of the show by Patrick Klein, who's the artistic director of Palo Alto Players, who actually produced my show in 2021. It was like okay. a history left, history left in a theory about bias, <clears throat> trapped in a piece of performance art theater or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's been fun to do. But for me, it is a chance to tell people about history. Yeah about the missions, about the history that we think we know, about the history that we have learned and how we can need to unlearn some things yeah. and open our minds to yeah. the reality of what really happened. You know, because history, the quote is, history is told by the victors. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. And yeah. My, yeah. In my show, I say history is an issue of who's telling it and what they want you to remember. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when I tie it in with, you know, history, of, you know, the African-American history in this country, yeah. you know, what it's like to walk in the shoes of a black man in this country. So it deals with bias. Mm-hmm. It deals with a lot of things. How many missions? 21. Is that wow. how many there are? Or how that's many how many, many there to? are and that's how many I saw on that trip. Wow. Because I have a friend who just did that. And oh, really? I started going through the same thing, Facebook. I started going through the post and I'm like, how many of these are there? Jeez. 21 missions established over a 54-year period, all designed to be one day's ride apart along the El Camino Royale, which yep. the Kings wrote. That's from the show. But, wow. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's it. There you go. But that's it. Yeah. I have so many questions. I mean, obviously, we can't. You know, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> but um, it's it, you know the very concept of history. I mean, I know why I sort of dived into history because there were just so many questions I had for my. Um, teachers at the uh-huh. time and they were like listen I have a curriculum I've got to stick with the curriculum right, yes. mm-hmm. you're bothering me <laughs> right yeah like hey you know right, uh, we're doing to... this lesson today yeah, exactly. and tomorrow what about the Freedmen's Bureau where did that disappear and how did Jim Crow happen and it's like uh, turn questions. to page 354 yeah. well at least you learned about that you know <laughs> right. my, I didn't learn about most of this stuff Oops. when I was in Sorry, y'all. No, grade school it's quite no. alright it's electronic age okay <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it's for me. I I learned. I was telling Reg beforehand. I my parents bought a set of encyclopedias. Yeah, when I was seven years old. World Book, World encyclopedia. Book Encyclopedias. I remember them. The white yep, books. The white books with the uh, gold with, trim. With the gold trim on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and I I started with E because it was the smallest one, mm-hmm. and opened it up and started reading it from cover to cover. And I learned all the British kings first, and from there it was just. That's where I lived. Yeah, you know. And as I've gotten older, I've, for me, the only thing I read is history. Mm-hmm. You know, for at a point before I got married, um, remarried, I had seven hundred and three history books on my shelves. Yeah. Wow, about a hundred of which I'd read. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, the other ones. Just well, well, reference. I mean, there there are so many books exactly. that I have on my shelf where I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. never going to read that book, but, but I will pull it down and go. Right. Oh, that's what that one little thing is. I just want to have that. But yeah. I, I read history because as far as I'm concerned, this is my opinion only. What really happened is far more interesting than anything that people can make up. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. You know? Yeah. And there's a trap with history. You know, people re- people are taught a certain history because, and usually it's very bias driven, you mm-hmm. know, whether yeah. it's the bias of the school district or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. There's a whole history of in the 50s, there was this history book, which was completely racist and completely mm-hmm. distorted history yeah. because that school board or whatever it was, in the still 50s out. And one, yeah. It's still out there. There's a there was a textbook from Virginia that was still in use until the late 70s that literally had a line that said the slaves were almost always happy in their work. Yeah, uh, yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some from that area yeah. where the the technical term that they are using to describe these people is sambos, and I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, this is a historian, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, 
we can be trapped in that. Let's say someone tells me, hey, what you've learned is not really true. Let me mm. tell you the history. And, and then people are like, oh, wait a minute. you know. And that's the challenge because right. your reality is being, I won't say shattered, but it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taught a certain thing. You're led to believe a certain thing. And when someone says, well, that's kind of not what happened. Here's the other point of view. Right, right. You know, there's a, I, I'm a big fan of African-American history, uh, religious history. Yeah. I love the Crusades. Yeah. But most of the early Crusade stuff I read were, you know, the Christian point of view. And there's right, a right. great book out called, you know, The Crusades Through Arab Eyes. Oh, which was written uh-huh. by a Muslim author, and right. so it's just this is what it was like to have the Latins, the invaders, yeah, the yeah. Latins as they called them, come over, mm-hmm. and so that gives you the real perspective because honestly, the truth in general lies somewhere in the middle, right? Right, always does, yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, exactly. What has the the process been like? Actually, being on stage and you know not having you know really just a how how's it being doing a one man show and also working <laughs> with Sean J West. Well, I assume you got to play at the Marsh as you were developing this. Well, here, so you you do the class, yes, and then at the end of every session, you there's a class presentation, if you will. Right. So I would do part of it. I read the, the wrote the first third, and I did the second third, and then the third third, mm-hmm. and so after I had a show. Then I did what was called the Marsh Rising. Yes, yeah. You know, which yeah, yeah, is there, yeah. you may have a show that may want to be done at the Marsh. I did that, I think it was 2018 or 19. Oh, this, okay. That's so long ago. Yeah, yeah. And then the first time I did the whole thing was at Playground. The oh. Solo Fest. Uh-huh. Oh, was, yeah, 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 yeah. Early 2019 is where I did that. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I did the whole show, which I loved and had a great time with. And so then I was in contact with the Marsh and they said, we'd like to have you do it. So it was supposed to have opened three years ago this weekend Easter weekend 2020 uh, of course and then COVID we all came know out. what happened yeah yeah yeah. but but it's so, been I mean you had opening night last night I mean I how did. was it um, it, it was fun mm-hmm. it was fun I mean I'd, I'd, I'd done a run down at Palo Alto Players a year ago year mm-hmm. and a half ago which was great different space mm-hmm. the marsh was you know the, a goal yeah mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. it it was a nice opening night crowd excellent um, it's there's all the kinds of pressure you put on yourself because, you know, this is where you want to be. Right, sure. right. But the audience seemed to love the show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kelly says they love the show because, of course, Kelly's biased, but you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's got a shrewd eye. Yeah. Um, and working with Sean Jay has been wonderful as a director. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, Sean fantastic. And I asked about the, you know, just the audience because... My next question is the state of theater. What you think of the state of theater? Because mm-hmm. there are lots of theater companies. No matter how good the show is, mm-hmm. it's been hard bringing an audience in. Uh, yeah. We've talked about how the exit is closed and um, Dragon Eggs has closed. Piano they're, they're, fight, yes. yeah, piano fight, fight yeah. yeah. So, I mean, does this? Not that it shocks you, but you know, what do you think of the state of theater right now? It's challenging, like anything else. Yeah, you know, COVID shocked us out of our complacency. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, and we're still recovering from that. Um, I think the arts will always survive. You know, they survived the plagues for years. Yeah. Um, they've survived every single tragedy we've had in this nation. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's what keeps us sane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeps us whole. Keeps us, you know, optimistic. Yeah. Um, and I think audiences will come back. I mean, everything that's out there changes in some way or shape or form. Yeah. You know, before COVID... Nobody thought of streaming shows on a regular basis. Right. Now it's kind of the regular. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot look of at Broadway, are there are corporations it, yeah. now whose sole purpose is to give theater companies the capacity to film a show and then broadcast because now you have an audience mm-hmm. in California yep. that can watch a Broadway show. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and they that, want it. Yeah, yeah and, and that's, that's equity that's, has had to bend some rules to, that they've been fighting for a century. We all have to pivot. Yeah. I think audiences <clears throat> will come back, but I think what's interesting now is that theater companies have to change who their audience is because we all know that most theater companies, their audiences were people over 50. Right. You mm -hmm. know, those were the subscribers and the regular people who would come, and there was always a goal of getting younger people in. Yeah. To do that, of course, the younger generation is all about this happened in five seconds or 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Right, yeah. exactly. Yep, 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 Which yep. means that the world of theater will change a little bit. But I think, I think theater will be fine. Mm -hmm. um, the, we had a good crowd last night. Yeah, I yeah. think people. Now this is in Berkeley. Yeah, the Marsh Berkeley. And and I, I never can remember where that is. It's on Alston Way. Oh, it's okay. Between um, oh yeah, it's just Oxford and uh, well, just and a little Shattuck. north of Shattuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you know where the Walgreens is, actually, the, yeah. the, the the downtown Berkeley Bart Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk up the top of the stairs. You walk straight up Alston, half a block. It's right in the middle of the street. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's very close to the Berkeley Rep because I took a um, yeah, yeah a couple of blocks. It's in the yeah. same area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Berkeley Rep and Aurora, I think, at the other end of away. that Bart Station. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, that's fantastic, and I totally agree with you. I think that theater companies. I think I enjoy as an actor the whole concept of streaming because it's like, mm -hmm. oh wow, mm -hmm. it's not just the audience here, but yeah. I can, you know. I'm being broadcast. Yeah, um, it's, it was it was a blast. I had a great time. Yeah, you know, we've got what four more Fridays Yay. coming up mm -hmm. yeah, every Friday at seven o'clock through mm -hmm. May fifth. Yeah. So yeah. you had mentioned unions. Are you are you a part of a union? I am not. Okay. Have you thought about it? I have, and I am not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. No, I mean it's it's for certain people. Yeah. I mm -hmm. more power to them. Yeah. It's just not for me. I hear you. you. Know, I I love being able to do theater everywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so um, and unfortunately, you know, um, being in equity can limit that. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love being able to do theater all over the Bay Area, mm -hmm. regardless of equity status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I enjoy. Now, where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to? I, I, well, have you done film or commercials or anything like? Oh, that? Oh, I did film and commercials uh, for years. Mm -hmm. When I first moved out here, a mm -hmm. lot of the work I did because it was the dot com era, so everybody right. was getting commercials for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked it, and I did some film work. I love live theater. Yeah. For me, there's nothing better than live theater. Film is great, but for me, it was if I don't get it right. I've got two or three or five or ten more takes. Plus right. now exactly. everything's digital, so you can do it a hundred times. Yep. Right. Which is great. But there are people who love that and more power to them. Mm -hmm. I love walking on the stage knowing I have a script in my head, mm -hmm. knowing I have other people I can play with, mm -hmm. and not knowing if what I did last night is going to be the same as what happens tonight. Right. Because you don't know. Right. So I, that, I, will, just, I will always do live theater. I don't do film anymore. I don't do commercials anymore. Okay. Yeah, coming out of the lockdown, the lockdown has been interesting because... There was that question, have we moved past that as a society? Have we moved past that? We've got the screens. We've got all kinds of other ways to communicate and connect. Can we just move on? And the first time I got to do a project back in front of a live audience, it was clear that this experience is so unique that these people are going to keep coming back from it and they're going to want it. And I hope that we can communicate to those younger generations this is going to be an experience that is different than anything else that exactly. you have done. Mm -hmm. So exactly. you should come and give this a try. Exactly. Yeah. I'd love to have theater companies like African American Shakes for years would do student productions. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. whatever show you were doing, there was like every Wednesday you did a show for high school students or right. college students or whatever. And that's mm -hmm. how you get them yeah. interested in yeah. theater. 
you know, and it's saying this 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 live thing is amazing. It's yeah. not just what's on the screen. No, I remember Absolutely. seeing in high school seeing a uh, a college oh, performance yeah. at Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Okay, uh, I will never forget it, and I'll never forget how long they took. That opening just takes forever, mm-hmm. but two wonderful actors completely engaged in the moment drawing you in so that when the rest of the story kind of starts you're like you've forgotten everything else in the world yeah and now you are in their world following them on this journey and i was just like this is amazing I plus can't for wait. us for us as actors of color mm-hmm. theater is a wide open venue for us to tell our stories yep it just that's is. exactly right mm-hmm. you know it's because there are so many different small theaters out there there's a stage everywhere you can do write whatever story you want to and mm-hmm. put it up someplace. And even in the world of film, you could videotape it and put it out there and someone could see it and say, maybe we should put this at our theater. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's the advantage that we have here in the Bay Area. I don't know if I would have that opportunity if I were, I don't know. I don't know if there's a um, a theater community in Ohio or, mm-hmm. you know. Probably is, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure everywhere there is. Yeah, I'm sure everywhere there is. But yeah. I just feel that the Bay Area, we have the opportunities not just to get on stage, but also to tell our stories, like mm-hmm. you've told mm-hmm. your story in, mm-hmm. in ways we've told our stories mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. I wanted to, because you and Kelly, you guys did I was Frank hoping and, you were going to come back to a Kelly question. I yeah. Gonna yeah. Gonna yeah. A whole, the whole lot of detail yeah. on that, but you know. <laughs> but, but, but you guys did Frankie and Johnny at the Pear Theater. We did. Nice. Now how was that? And I want to get into our, 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 how you guys met together a love yes. story well I'm not going to go into the whole detail because I've currently I've talked about this and there's certain things we don't want to talk about publicly that, that's okay that's go. fine but I will say that we've done that was our 13th show right well, yeah when I asked you about that and yeah. you said that I was like that was our 13th oh, show together wow and we met doing a show we uh-huh. met we did Lord Heidi Chronicles uh-huh. that uh-huh. was a thousand years ago right but Frankie and Johnny you, you mentioned it, it was honestly the first time I think we talked about this is the first or second time second time that we did a show where we actually interacted a lot sure and Frankie and Johnny at the Clare, in the Clare Luna is a different animal yeah, yeah because yeah, there's yeah. just two people if you know the show yes. it's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an incredibly intimate play yep. it's two personalities who are not us at all yeah yeah and the fascinating thing about that production was because it's an intimate play and because of the time this is last fall, COVID was still around. Right. There was a worry about one person gets sick, you mm-hmm. can't do the show. Yeah. So the show was double cast. So we had two different casts. That's mm-hmm. right. With two different productions that did not relate at all. Sure. So we never saw their production. They only saw ours because they, they closed before we did. Mm-hmm. So that was what was fascinating. Yeah, as an audience member, I would be like, okay, I've seen that production. Now yeah. I can come back and I, see yeah, how yeah. I they would also do yeah. it. And I've but heard also, it two different shows, yeah. completely different shows. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about how you know the, we've had a we had a section where we had a couples um, a yay episode where right, people right. talked about just working with each. other. It sounds like you and Kelly work very well. We do together. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. different ways of learning, but we also know that when we're doing a show the same time most of the time we've got our different characters and we sure. relate a little bit but not really but we try to keep that in the theater yeah mm-hmm. you know and not at home you know, that's, every, a, that's every, excellent although it's funny because every once in a while especially during Frankie and Johnny we'd have these moments where we'd walk through life and a line would come out by accident and then I'd say it and then she'd say it and we'd stop nope moving on <laughs> no, oh that's funny we still do it yeah I want to compliment Kelly. I mean, she's a fantastic actress working she with is. her on stage. She's very disciplined. She is. Uh, mm-hmm. Very um, anchored, yeah. as I, w- I would like to say. Yep. And um, it, it was, you know, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed the energy that we had. And so. 
Yep. No, that was awesome. Kelly Reinhardt, she's an incredibly talented person. Yeah, yep. and I'm dying. I know she, I know she'll say no again, but I'm dying to have her come on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can help me out with that, but that's okay. <laughs> you notice me not you saying You pick anything. your battles. You right, exactly. But no, Kelly, if you're listening, uh, you know, you're a fantastic actress and, um, you she know. Is. And you're a lucky woman. <laughs> Aww. I'm, a, I'm the lucky one. Yeah. Honestly, I'm the lucky one. Yeah. yeah. So where do you see yourself in the future? You're just going to continue to doing what you're doing right now? Do you want to leave or do you want to... Are you recording the solo show? I'm going to get someone to videotape it. Good, yes. good awesome. Good. I am. Yeah. Um, it's 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 fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to get more and more audiences in. You know, if you're out there listening, come see the show. Yeah. You know, because we need a lot of support for solo performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. You know, the Marsh is a great space, um, and there are other solo performance festivals that are around. I encourage anybody to go out and just watch a solo piece because the stories are completely original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, very very cool. They really are. But to answer your question, where do I see myself? I'm still going to be here doing theater somehow. Okay, so you're not the frustrated actor who's like, you know, I just got to venture, I got to branch out, LA. I go to LA, New York, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not 30. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I've, none of us you, are. Yeah, have, you find what's comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I love Bay Area theater. I love the opportunities that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met some incredible people. Um, I'm very blessed in the fact that people are still interested in having me work with them. I mean, like, Sean and I are doing Soldier's Play coming up next. So. That's nice. right. At the Altarina. At the Altarina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With uh, Terrence Smith, who's been on this uh, Yeah, this Terrence and also, well. um, oh, is Jake Jake, 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 Jake Fong. Jake Fong. Yeah. yeah. I told him to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be, I mean, that, that, that's that going to be fantastic. That is one of my favorite plays, and that is my, I'm playing Sergeant Waters, which is my favorite role. Right oh, on, know, right I've on. never done it. It's been a bucket role, so. Mm. Yeah. And good for Altarina for doing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great show. I mean, Sean Jay's, it, it, he's a fantastic director. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ex-military, which mm-hmm. you may or may not know, so he's, yeah. got, that, he's got that eye. I think so he's talked about that when he was on the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be a great production. Yeah. So come out and see a soldier's play. Yeah. Right on, right on. And we, of course, we'll advertise it. Absolutely. All right. We are, we've done an hour. So, uh, birthdays? Uh, well, I, I want to mention, and yes. we'll mention it when we get to shows as well. Yeah. I sent you the photo. So, last night I rolled by the alley uh-huh. and, um, and I walk out. It was, it was a crazy night. I walked in, decided I'm not staying. I walk out and there on the sidewalk is Don Reed. <laughs> and i'm like wait a minute what the fuck so I, I wait until he starts to walk by and i'm like don reed right and he looks at me and i'm like we we met once like a decade ago and um yeah he's like dude you your your show is happening right now right Shout at the marsh never too late show yeah see it the never too late show at the marsh yeah. it's, it's showing saturday nights at eight and sundays at seven nice at the marsh berkeley Small world, huh? Great, great guy. It was just, it was, I got, so I sent you a picture. I was like, dude, we got to get him on. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I would love that. If you go to my Facebook page or the Mars Facebook page in the next Mm -hmm. week or two, you're going to see a commercial with me and Don Reed about my show. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, so I talked to him and he was like, yeah, 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 I want to come on the show. I want to come on the show. So I'm like, great, we'll get him on the podcast. (laughs) Birthdays. Uh, Today is Anne Hallinan's birthday. Um, And it's so funny, like you, um, there are names Bay Area names that I see all the time, but I never see you. I never see her. I never, and you know, and she's a little older, so I didn't know she was still around. And I got to see this was probably about five years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see a production of um, oh geez, um, 
Chekhov, uh, mm-hmm. the seagull. Okay. And they did a bunch of gender bending in the show, and she came out and just did this amazing performance. I was like, oh my God, I, I couldn't sh- wait to get in her did face. did a show with Anne more than 20, about 20 years ago, we did White Lies mm-hmm. at, the, at the old uh, multi-ethnic theater company. Is that Schaefer? No. Uh, the playwright. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Peter Schaffer. Peter, Sh- Peter Schaffer. Schaffer. Yeah, White Lies yeah. and Black Comedy. I love black comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy play. <laughs> it is wonderfully crazy. Anyway, um, Elizabeth Jones is a Bay Area theater artist, actress, um, who I just bumped into. There's a black theater artist, you guys should both know about this, um, Town Hall that's been starting, just started to happen at the Oakland Museum. Oh, okay. And okay. I think the woman is trying to make it a monthly thing. Um, <clears throat> She get information out on that, but sure. anyway, bumped into Elizabeth there. Haven't seen her in years. I was like, oh yay! Um, William Oliver the third, who is a stalwart. You know, he's a regular company member with the Oakland Theater Project. Okay. Um, Greg Ayers, who I will I always love for the rest of my life because we got to do Master Harold and the Boys to do, together, and ah. he had the the unfortunate honor of having to spit <laughs> somebody's <laughs> face mm. every show. Yeah. Oh, he was Hallie. Yeah, and, and it's always amazing. I've seen a number of actors who've had to do that. And the actor who has to be spit on just has to say, I, I'm ready for it. Just just do it. Just, yeah. Let's just, you know, we have to get this over with. Right, cause, yeah. Because we're going to have to do it every show. Yeah, well, I had, we had Lamont and Rogel on, and he did Master Harold, and uh, he talked about that. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's it's very uncomfortable. Uh, Rebecca Patterson, um, I went to San Francisco State with, a director who was one of the first times I got cast in a colorblind way. Um, I, I was so grateful. I was walking down the hall. We were doing Brown Bag Theater, and they had just announced who the actors were and who the directors were and who the shows were, and I was in the company, and I was like, oh, God, I love this one play. And she said, well, I'm directing it. I was hoping you would be in it. And I literally jumped off the wall. I remember jumping and just bouncing off the wall. I was mm-hmm. so happy. Um, and she's doing theater now on the East Coast in New York. Um, was doing a women's uh, Shakespeare company. Very nice. Um, Monique Hafen Adams, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her middle name correctly, but um, is a writer, I, well, writer-performer who I met through uh, Playground. And um, amazing writer. Uh, you know. And it's so funny when you meet somebody like that, like, you... Are, she's really good, solid performer, but the stuff that she's writing is just wonderful. Hmm. Uh, Terrence Garner um, was a young man I met through the African American Shakespeare Company, oh, cool. who now lives in L.A. and I think has put a lot of his energy into raising a family. <laughs> and uh, Jacqueline Neely, and I had to look up. I'm like Jacqueline Neely. How do I have that name? We just did um, down at San Jose stage. We did uh, meet John Doe. Yes. And, oh, my God, you know, this poor little cast of people had to create the whole world of that play. And our ensemble was just running around. There were so many times where I found myself in moments that no acting school ever teaches you. Like, you're going to move this chair as a part of a set change, but it's the energy of you doing it is setting up the next scene. So don't think you're just a stagehand moving a chair. You are... It's, you know, because we were trying to, we were trying, it's based on a film. It's based on a Frank Capra film, and we wanted the energy of the film, and so the sort of jump cut kind of energy, which was a new thing when Capra was doing it, you know, that was stuff that was just starting to come into filmmaking. Mm -hmm. 
wanted to bring that energy onto the stage. So I, there was one scene where I was literally rolling a chair in while another scene was starting. As that scene passed me by, I put it center stage, went off, and then turned around and walked right back in as another character. Wow. And all of this is happening right in front of the audience. And I'm like, wow. And Jacqueline had... <laughs> she played so many characters who were almost unidentified, but were just so amazing, including this little... She and Keith Pinto did this little dance thing that introduced a, a diner. Oh <laughs> this diner comes into life as these two people are dancing around mm-hmm. in the middle of the stage. Just neat it's, you know it's, it's a fun world that we get to occupy and all those people have birthdays this week happy yep. birthday cool. my list is very short Duran Garcia I think you saved that for me mm-hmm. his birthday passed uh, it was the 7th which was yesterday Durand is a fight coordinator, actor, and uh, we've had him on the show. And director, yeah. And director, yeah, that's right. Um, also, there's a young actress. We have to have her on, Heather Young. Uh, she is, I believe she listens to the show. Um, so her birthday uh, will be on the 12th. Excuse me. Salut. And um, Fortunato Som- Solomon Liabut, we call him 40. Yeah. He is a actor, singer, He's a YouTube presence. Uh, he was in my show. I wrote a little mini musical called Nia. Nia. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, we did uh, Godspell together. So, uh, he is a fantastic um, performer. Mm-hmm. And his birthday is on the 12th. And I think that may be it. Um, my sister, Shantice, uh, she lives in Buffalo. Her birthday is also on the 12th. Happy birthday, Sean. Yay! Uh, and that's it. And uh, shows. Can... Uh, well, we already talked about um, Don Reed's show, the Never Too Late show. That's mm-hmm. at the Marsh. Um, I don't know because I've got your, I've got Fred's show. Yeah, um, aren't you? And that'll be April the seventh. Oh, um, and I'm sure you must have center rep um, Sweat. Elizabeth yes, I do. Carter did it. Yes, um, I do. Michael Asbury, um, Kathleen Ridley, mm-hmm. uh, Mara Sawanless is in it. Yeah, it's it's got an incredible cast, um, and they. We live in this era of COVID, whether or not people want to, you know, you can declare the pandemic over, but there's still folks affected. This show went Mm -hmm. through a rough couple of weeks, so it's happy to know that they finally got it open and they're running for at least another week. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so we have, uh, we've talked about it. Aren't you at the Marsh, uh, April 7th through May the 8th? May 5th. Um, May May fifth. Thank yep. you. I'll make that correction right Friday now. Night, Friday mm-hmm. nights at seven o'clock. Come see it. Yep. Yay. And we have a link. So um, you know, Ooh. if you're listening to the yeah, you can click on the link and you'll be right there. You can learn all about the show and buy tickets. Uh, we talked about Merrily We Roll Along. Um, the Ooh. last show is tomorrow. Nice. That'll be at Forty Second Street Moon. Lauren Jiang, who's been on the show, is in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had Rachel Deathridge on. You weren't here, but mm-hmm. uh, she is a, a singer. She's an opera singer. And I shared the stage with her when we did Candide. And she has a, um, a show called For the Love of Music at the Jarvis Conservatory. And that'll be one night only, April 15th. And she had asked me to um, push that. And so mm-hmm. we have that. And we have the link there. So come out and see it. Sessa uh, Shakes is doing a Midsummer Night's Dream, March the 1st through May the 6th in various locations. Alan Coyne, who's in everything, is in that. <laughs> and <laughs> Evan. What, what would it be to have a, a podcast where we actually don't mention Alan Coyne? Exactly. Would... Hey, he, he's a hustler. He, he's in everything. Um, and Evan Held, he is also in it as oh, well. Oh, sweet. Yes. So click on the link. Uh, we talked about sweat. So uh, this is, uh, we have the link for that, March 26th through April the 16th. 
Marissa Wanless, Michael Ashbury is in it, Elizabeth Carter directed it, and we have the link for that. Mm-hmm. Clue is at San Francisco Playhouse, March the 9th through April the 22nd. Dorian Lockett and Eko Yamamoto is in that. Michael Gene Sullivan, Michael Sullivan, I think. Yep. Yep. And so click on that. Uh, we have the link for that. Um, Central Works is doing Mondrangola which uh, ends April the 16th. That's been running since March the 18th. Oh, uh-huh. uh, Gary Graves wrote the piece. Jens Leifler is directing the piece. And Steve Ortiz. Steve Ortiz is in, is in it, yep. They must love Steve Ortiz. He's been in a bunch of their they stuff. Do, they need to They need to stretch out. They keep giving him these goofy little roles. They need to stretch out and give him something else. Steve, because yeah. Steve's got, I've seen, I saw Steve in 12 Angry Men. I'm like, dude, y'all need to give him more Steve's of this. Steve has an incredible range, yeah. yeah. But but it's good that they're giving him work, so that's good. So click on the link there. Um, Silicon Valley Shakes is doing King Lear. It'll be July the 28th through September the 1st. That's way, way, way long, uh, but I want to push it right now. It's a, It'll be an all-woman cast, and Cynthia Logozinski is directing that. So we have the hey, link hey. for that as well. And go ahead. I've got a couple... Um so this is, um, oh, this is actually today at 3 o'clock. Wow. Um, Upsurge is a, um, they're performance group, poetry mostly, um, and they're doing an event to celebrate Paul Robeson's 125th birthday. Wow. Nice. Very, very and nice. And I had one other one. Um, the uh, Is Gaz Is, uh, the Oakland Theater Project is yeah. doing... Who, who's in that? Tanika Baptiste. Ah, and, that's right. She's directing um, it, right? Ro, uh, Rolanda Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, where Devin Cunningham's I, in it. Hmm? Devin Cunningham's in it. Ah. Yeah, yeah his God it is. is. Yeah, we have, you have to check that out. Yeah, she talked about that. Yeah, Tanika Baptiste. She's she's doing some pretty cool stuff. She's staying busy. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they're through uh, April twenty third. Oh, which is Shakespeare's birthday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And uh, as always, we'll push uh, a couple of other podcasts. So we have Barry Graves, The Black Man's Heart. Check that out. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS Radio. She, she has two podcasts, As Prescribed, a weekly conversation with leading medical experts at UCSF Medical Center. Excuse me. And It's Generational, a deep dive in how each generation looks at things, where they talk to people from different generations and ask them specific uh, subject matters. So check that out. And Central Works has the Central Works Script Club, a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright. And they do that semi-annually. Bendelstiff has the Fobcast, so check that out. Mm. We are still selling yay jerseys. We have one black, we have one white, so you can support the show for that. That's $30. You can hit me up if you uh, want to uh, grab a jersey. And that is it. Fred, did you enjoy yourself? Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It was was a lot of fun talking with both of you. Yay! 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 No, no, it was. It's it's always a you know. Can we can we find the right time? Can we do it? Can we make this happen? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm happy it did. Yeah, I'm glad it all worked out. And so So am I. And And home opens tonight, and we run through August, uh, August, April 29th, and then um, and then we go to France. To France, yeah, absolutely at the Z at Z below below at zspace.org. Yep, yep. Check that out as well. And, And tickets are selling so. Uh, we've got in-laws coming in next weekend, and we had made reservation, and we tried to expand the reservation, and I don't know. Well, hopefully, we can squeeze them in, but right now, it's like, oh, this thing is starting to sell, so mm-hmm. yeah, should jump on it. <laughs> All righty. Well, you're already listening to this podcast on 
whatever podcast that you're listening to. We're on uh, the Apple Podcast app, that purple phone on your iPad or iPhone. We're on Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, and now we're on Amazon Podcast. Just go to music.amazon.com, search for The A, and you will find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. I'm at the uh, our, our Twitter feed is The A3. I'm at Red Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Fred, can anyone reach you via social if, media? If you you set a website, so... Well, if be. you if you want to find me, you can go to my Facebook page. Just type in okay. Fred Pitts. I'll show up on the, on uh, Facebook and uh, Fred Pitts Jr. Well, it's Fred Pitts Jr. with no vowels on Instagram. So it's <laughs> F-R-D-P-T-T-S-J-R. Ah, Very so cool. Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find me. Junior? Junior. Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. I am a junior. And I will... Uh, so am I. <laughs> We My dad's senior. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually named, actually, actually, I was named after Frederick Douglass. So was he. Hey, there you hey, go. Hey. So there you go. There you go. Right on. All right. Thank you, everyone. And uh, it's a wonderful Saturday. Everyone enjoy yourselves. And happy um, Easter for those who practice that. Passover. 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 That's right. Yeah. And as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find, find a better, better sign off. off. And we are out. Out.